Welcome into the latest edition of the Sharpshooters. I'm David Schuster, and first, a word from our sponsor. Basketball season won't be around forever, so get in on all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, every steal, every assist means so much more with a DraftKings daily fantasy lineup. Baseball fans, you may have missed out on season-long fantasy, so now is the time to get in on all the daily fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players, so what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. It's only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And I'll tell you what, that's quite a deal. But right now, the Bulls, not exactly quite a deal. It's now T-minus a bit less than three weeks and only 10 games to go. And as I'm recording this podcast on Friday morning, and though the fat lady hasn't sung just yet, she's certainly warming up as the Bulls are outside looking up at a play-in game in this year's NBA playoff picture. And as I speak, again, it's Friday morning when I'm recording this, It's a two-game deficit to Washington, and they're playing some really good basketball. Two-game deficit to Washington with, as I said, 10 games still to go. Now, here's the skinny on the Bulls. Zach Levine is still out indefinitely, and they've had all kinds of problems overcoming his absence. Obviously, his scoring has been missed, but let's face it, when your best player on your team is not in the lineup, your chances of winning have certainly gone downhill. We're going to hear from Billy Donovan in just a moment. We'll hear from Thad Young. We'll hear from Patrick Williams. We'll also hear from Lowry Markinen. Same old story with the Bulls. Uh, the, The Bugaboos have been there all season long. Slow starts to game, poor finishes. It's really amazing. Sometimes, you know, they're down 15, 20 points in the first quarter. Then they come way back. And they'll sneak out an occasional game when they do that. But more often than not, they come up short. Then there are other games where they have big leads and they just falter down the stretch. So there are really a lot of problems here. It's not going to be fixed, you know, with a magic wand or anything like that. There's just a lot of problems. Um, Slow starts, poor finishes, like I said, excessive turnovers. And, And I've been harping on this. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you certainly know that I'm a big believer until you have a lead point guard on your roster to lead your team, you're going to be, you know, not swimming upstream, but you're going to be running upstream, certainly. Um, And that's been the problem with the Bulls. They just don't have a lead point guard. That will be Arturis Karnishevis' main uh, thing that he needs to take care of, in my estimation, right off the bat in the offseason, whether it turns out to be Lonzo Ball, where they make a pitch for him, and we'll talk more about that in just a second, or, you know, figuring something else out, but they got to do something um, because without that lead point guard, in my estimation, they're just never going to be able to get over the hump. Also, a lot of mistakes on defense. And, you know, they've, they've changed the roster, obviously, at midstream at the trading deadline. And, and you know, it's not as easy as it might sound 
just all of a sudden putting new players together and hoping that it works. And at times it has, but more often than not, it has not. Uh, Billy Donovan has made a concerted effort to go with a much bigger lineup ever since uh, the trades. Um, Nico uh, Vucevic and Daniel Tice are now your starting up front tandem. Tice has basically been a backup center most of his career, but since he's able to shoot from the outside a little bit and from three-point range, what Donovan has decided is to insert him at the power forward position. Uh, and so with Vucevic and Tice, and Tice makes up for a lot of deficiencies on Vucevic's part, you know, actually at times, you know, they have controlled parts of games with that bigger lineup. Then even when Lowry Markkinen comes into the lineup, you basically have three seven-footers across your front line with Markkinen playing the small forward and more on Markkinen in just a little bit also. Kobe White with uh, with uh, Zach Levine out of the lineup has been reasserted into the starting lineup, and he's been schizophrenic as well. Sometimes he's good. I mean, he had a 32-point game one of the past previous games, and then the next game he didn't even get into double-figure scoring. So and, and a lot of, once again, bad decisions on his part when he's handling the ball. And if uh, the front office and Billy Donovan have not come to the conclusion, and I think they have, that is, as much as he tries to be a lead point guard, he's just not it. He always has been a guard who's been able to score the basketball. He did it in high school, obviously. He was the leading high school scorer in North Carolina State history. And we've talked about this even more than Michael Jordan was when he was in high school. He was a scorer in his uh, one t- uh, his short time at North Carolina, and he's already proven he's a scorer here in the NBA as well. But he just is not a lead point guard. That goes without saying, at least in my estimation. So is he part of this roster going forward? Absolutely he is. But he's not in my starting lineup, ideally. And what he is more than anything else, he's a guy who's going to come in off the bench, give you 20 points on a more con- uh, consistent basis than not, but that's going to be coming off the bench, playing against second units. So again, Arturis Karnishevis has his work cut out for him going into next season. Again, they still have an uphill climb. It's at least a possibility of, of overtaking Washington, but Washington is playing some really, really good basketball. Um, and, and Russell Westbrook, and we'll talk about him a little bit later on. Uh, he's been unbelievable over the last two, almost three months of this season. I mean, Bradley Beal could still score the basketball, but honestly, if you want to stop Washington, you got to stop Russell Westbrook. He's just been incredible. Anyway, all right, let's let's hear from Billy Donovan right now. Again, the Bulls' deficit as we speak here on Friday morning is two games to Washington. Both teams are in action later this evening, so it could change one way or another. Anyway, here's Billy Donovan talking about the uphill climb as far as the standings go. The standings are just a snapshot of today. You know, like I said, there, there was times where. You know, we were maybe, I don't know, fifth or sixth. There's times we've been 10th. There's times we've been eighth. And it will probably continue, you know, to change and move. Um, for us, it's just about us, you know, having to try to find ways to win games and us to try to find ways to to, to, to play well. These guys understand, you know, what's what's going on. And, uh, you know, I've always said this about a season. You know, the, the one thing you don't want to look back on is, 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 is having a lot of regret. And certainly there was plenty of opportunities, you know, for us, you know, over the whatever it is, 53, 54 games that we're not getting back. So uh, to me, it's about what what can we do going forward and how how much better can we be going forward? Uh, and, and can we improve and get better, you know, to put ourselves in a position? 
you know, if, if we're unable to, to, to finish strong or to win enough games, then we'll, we will not be playing after May 16th. And he couldn't be more right when he's talking about, listen, they've had numerous chances. A lot of those games that we talked about a little bit earlier, blowing them early in the game, late in the contest, they're, they're obviously going to come back and haunt you. I mean, it, it goes without saying that happens to all teams in the NBA. Unfortunately, those teams are probably already – Uh, certified as a playoff team. The Bulls are trying to get into the playoffs. And when it's all said and done, May 16th is when the season ends. And if they don't make the playoffs, they're going to look back on a lot of those games. All right, here's another one from Billy Donovan. I mean, obviously the Bulls have been facing adversity this whole season. I mean, there's been COVID. There's been uh, the absence of their leading scorer, Zach Levine. There's been other injuries, yada, yada, yada. There's been uh, a roster shakeup, obviously. Anyway, here's Billy Donovan talking about learning about the chemistry and the makeup of his players as they've gone through all this adversity. You know, I'm more interested in finding out what guys are about under the most adverse circumstances it can possibly be. You know, that, that, that's where I think you really find it. Because if, if you really want to do anything meaningful, anything purposeful, uh, it never comes without a cost and a price. And, it, you know, to your point, the uphill clown, the mountain, whatever, mountain, however, you know, whatever analogy you want to use, um, that's what it's about. You know, I don't know anybody that has ever achieved anything that said, boy, that was a really smooth, easy, comfortable ride. We didn't deal with any adversity. I, I think adversity is the greatest growing and teaching tool you can possibly have because you get challenged and you find out more about yourself. And I think we'll find out more about ourselves. You know, we certainly have put a major premium and focus on winning, you know, and I think that's, that's a healthy, good thing because, you know, it's not necessarily that, Hey, we're just trying to, we certainly want to develop all of our guys, but it's just not like, Hey, we're just development focused or, Hey, we're just going to be in this mode of doing this. No, we're, we're trying to get these guys to understand and learn what really goes into winning. So, I mean, Billy Donovan, <laughs> Billy Donovan has earned his paycheck. Now it's, it's been a pretty damn good paycheck, obviously. I think he's getting paid somewhere along the lines of about five and a half, six million dollars a season, but he's earned it. You know, he's, he's, he had a roster right off the bat, you know, basically taking over the same roster as last season. I think Karnishevis and, and the rest of the front office realized that that wasn't good enough and then they changed pretty much in midstream. So Billy Donovan uh, almost had to change everything in mid-course here uh, with the change of uh, all the new players that came in. Um, and he's done the best he can. Well, one thing that he has not been able to get the best out of both of them, and I'm talking about Lowry Markinen and Kobe White, who, by the way, were both number seven as far as draft picks. So they were both lottery picks that are on the Bulls roster. They're both coming off the bench. Well, at least uh, uh, Markinen is coming up, you know, off the bench right now. White has been reasserted, as we mentioned, into the starting lineup with the absence of Zach Levine. Anyway, here's Billy Donovan talking about the roles that have been changed for both White and Markinen. Yeah, they, they need to understand how to impact winning. And I felt like hopefully both guys took a step in that direction that if whether or not they're making shots or missing shots, they still can have an impact on the game. And they've just got to understand these young players – that, you know, it's not about their particular development or where they were drafted or, you know, all that stuff. It's about, like, are you impacting the group in a positive way? And I think those guys, you know, going through what they've gone through, being starters, not starters, now Kobe being back, they 
both those guys, I think, hopefully have, are, are, are continuing to grow and develop in that area of how they can impact the game. And again, uh, Donovan has done the best he can to try and get the most out of them. I know for a fact that both White and Markkinen really want to play good basketball, it goes without saying, and they want to win, that also goes without saying. But at times, they've been both very inconsistent. I mean, Lowry Markkinen, and we saw this right in his rookie season. I mean, he, I go back to the one game very specifically against the New York Knicks at Madison Square Garden, and it was early in the season, and he scored like 30-some-odd points, and he was in double digits and rebounds. And he, he looked like an all-pro player right off the bat. But, he did, I mean, one of the staples of his young career at this point has been inconsistency. He should have such an advantage with his size against defenders. I mean, he is a legit 7-1. Um, he could shoot from the outside, but he doesn't go inside enough and take advantage of, of the height advantage that he has over his defenders, something that he definitely still has to overcome and, and still work on. And, and hopefully in time, he does just, yeah, does just that. Now, I know one of the players who has been harping, 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 not only does he harp on Lowry Markkinen, but it's also uh, Thad Young's, and he feels it's his responsibility, being one of the veteran players on this roster. Um, he feels it's his responsibility, not so much to scream at any of his teammates, but certainly to talk to them and try and prop them up and instill more confidence in them. So the question to Thad Young as of a couple of days ago, Thad, do you think that this roster is mentally tough enough? Here's Thad Young. Yeah, I, mean, I think we're mentally tough. I think we just have to, that mental toughness, we just have to, you know, play play mental tough throughout the a 48-minute 48, 48 game, throughout the course of a whole game. You know, we come in and we try to figure out ways that we can win. We sit there and we talk about it, um, which is you know, the main reason why you guys only have short amounts of time to talk to me after the, after the game because we, we're sitting there talking about it, trying to figure things out. You know, when we lose, we're always trying to figure things out. We're always trying to figure out how can we, what can we do better? Uh, how can we be better as a team? What do we need to do better? Uh, and how we need to move forward, you know, um, and trying to get wins. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens even with Thad Young in the offseason. Now, he's under contract for another season. Um, and will it be with the Bulls or will the Bulls, you know, in essence, dump him. Um, he, he's definitely a good player. I mean, he's the year that he had last year under uh, Jim Boylan was just a joke. And and I don't know if it was Boylan. I don't know if it was Thad Young, you know, trying to adapt to, to Jim Boylan's um, coaching or something. I mean, we had always heard that Thad Young was a consistent player but last year, you know, not this season, but last season, he was consistent in, in the wrong direction. This season, he's been fantastic. But if the Bulls are looking to make certain roster alterations next year and need more cap space, Thad Young could be a cap casualty. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I hope he's around because not only is he good for on the court, he's good in the, in the locker room. He's also good with the media, <laughs> and I never discount that as well. All right, let's talk about other players on the roster here. Patrick Williams, high draft pick, obviously. They got him at number four. A lot of people thought that was a reach. And then he came in and was, honestly, he was really good right off the bat. I mean, he's got a man's body. He's a legit 6'9". He's 250 pounds. So it's not like he has to put on weight to go up against uh, guys who are older than him in the NBA, like most rookie players. I mean, he's definitely already chiseled, but he's not aggressive enough. We've talked about this ad nauseum also. 
What is it about him that he keeps deferring to the other players? He's shown that he can shoot from the outside, not as consistently as I think he will be down the road. He's definitely strong enough to go inside. His forte was talked about being one of the better defenders coming into the NBA. And I think it might have been a little bit of a disservice to him to have him go up against some of the great players. I remember in back-to-back-to-back games, he was going against the Greek freak, Giannis. Then he went against LeBron. And then he went against Kyrie, uh, Kawhi Leonard, rather. And though he, I think, in the long run, will be capable of guarding almost anybody in the NBA, who knows? That might have been a shot uh, against his confidence because those are three of the not uh, three of the certainly the top 10 players or maybe even top six or seven players in the entire NBA and uh, who knows maybe that might have hurt his confidence a little bit but the one thing that has really been a bugaboo for Patrick Williams this whole season has been the fact that he just is not aggressive enough I mean over the last 10 games I think he's only been in double figure scoring two or three times And a lot of those games, he's only taken two, three, four, or five shots. Not enough. Now, obviously, when everybody is healthy, you want Zach Levine and you want uh, Nikola Vucevic to take the majority of your shots. But you can't have your starting, whether he's a small or power forward. He's been a small forward mostly. You can't have only taking two, three, or four, or five shots a game. They're not even going to defend him after a while. Then basically, it's it's being five against four on the defensive end of the court and, and the other team's advantage. So... He, he's just got to become more aggressive. Now you're going to hear from him in the soundbite that he's working on it and he feels like he's overcoming that deficit of his, but I would disagree. Anyway, here's Patrick Williams. I think I've taken steps forward in that area. Um, my teammates, you know, stay on me, uh, keep the still confidence in me. So it just makes it easier for me to go out there and be aggressive. Nothing's really changed. Um, the guys, <clears throat> my teammates have been, and also my coach have been, you know, challenging me to be more aggressive. Um, they've been, you know, challenging me to do that, you know, pretty much the whole season. That um, it's no secret that that's the area that I need to, you know, improve in. Um, but I think I've done that um, throughout the course of the season. And like I said, he says he's working on it, but the proof is in the pudding. You know, I want to see much more of him. You know what? I don't even care if he goes uh, ball hogging one game and and puts up fifteen or twenty shots. You know what? I don't think anybody on, on his team would be angry with him. It's a way of getting him out of his shell. And once he is able to have a really successful game of, let's say he does a double-double of 20 and 10 one game because he's more aggressive, then I think he'll have more confidence in himself. But time will tell on that. All right, we talked about Lowry Markinen in the past. Here's another guy whose confidence has got to be waning a bit. I mean, he obviously was a high draft pick. He was starting the majority, not only the majority, almost entirely his entire career until the Bulls made these trades. Uh, And then all of a sudden he got shunted uh, back to the bench. And, you know, here's a guy who did not accept the Bulls contract offer going into the season, gambling on himself, hoping to have a big season and cashing in. Now he might, underline might still cash in. I don't think it's going to be with the Bulls. If I had a hazard to guess right now, I think he will be elsewhere next season. But anyway, um, there's a lot of teams that will still take a look at him. And remember, he was a high draft pick. He has that size advantage, yada, yada, yada. He definitely can shoot. There's no question about that. And maybe in the right setting with the right teammates or the right coach, I don't know what it would take for him to be a more consistent player because the talent is there. There's no question about that. Anyway, here's Lowry Markinen talking about the adjustment from going from the starting lineup to coming in off the bench. 
It's a new role. Uh, I think a lot of guys have sacrificed it, uh, but it's a like it's a new role, role for me. I haven't done that before, but I'm not gonna do anything that's gonna jeopardize the team. So uh, I'm gonna play my role as as well as I can. I think I even last games I could have done a done a better job, and uh, but just try to focus on staying positive and bringing the energy off the bench. And I know the opportunity is going to be there. It's got to be ready. And again, if I had a hazard of guess, I would say that Lowry Markkinen is not going to be a bull next season and that Arturis Karnishevis will use the money in not having Markkinen on the salary uh, roster. He'll use that money in some other avenue. Anyway, this roster will definitely be different next season. To what degree that remains to be seen. Now, there's a lot of people, and I'm sure the players, of course, and people in the organization want them to make the playoffs. Here's the skinny, though. If the Bulls make the playoffs, they're not uh, they're obviously not going to be in the lottery. And uh, that first round draft pick that they used to get Vucevic will be gone to Orlando. However, if they miss the playoffs and let's just say they lose a lot of these last 10 games you know, before the end of the season, if they miss the playoffs and then all of a sudden they get into the lottery and get lucky. And they either get the first, second, third, or fourth pick, which is protected in the trade for Vucevic, then they can use it in this draft. So that remains to be seen. A lot of people, maybe myself included, are hoping they don't make the playoffs, get lucky in the lottery, get another high draft pick, use a lot of the money that they will have saved from maybe not having Markinen, maybe get a point guard in either the draft or go after Lonzo Ball with a lot of the money that they will have available to them. Time will tell on all of that. All right, we talked about Lonzo Ball, and he will be potentially available. I've been watching him. Um, you know, he missed a, a good stretch down in New Orleans uh, because of injury, but now he's back. He's not playing as well as he was before his injury, but Lonzo Ball is a much different player. I liked him coming out of college from UCLA. I thought he was definitely a lead point guard who definitely looks to get everybody more involved. I mean, he's a great combination down in New Orleans. I don't know why they'd want to give up on him, potentially. You know, when you have a Zion Williamson down there, well, I don't know why you want want to have Alonzo Ball to be a running mate of his to try and get him the ball in all the right situations. But, again, that's their issue. It remains to be seen if he will be jettisoned, so to speak, and if the Bulls are able to pick him up. All right, uh, what we've been talking about on this podcast over the last bunch of weeks is what's going to happen in the MVP race. And, and this has been really a crazy, crazy year in so many aspects. But for the different categories for the awards, it's definitely been crazy. So let's talk about the different category, uh, category awards that are going to be uh, uh, named, obviously, after the season. The MVP race, I think for a long stretch of the season, it was Joel Embiid. Then he got an injury and missed a bunch and he's going on record. It's pretty comical. All these guys say, hey, I should be the MVP. I mean, uh, he said it. Uh, Steph Curry said it. Yada, yada, yada. Um, I don't think it's going to be Embiid. Why? Because, first of all, I think Brooklyn is going to be the number one team in the East when it's all said and done at the end of the regular season. And I think MVP voters will hold that against Embiid that he didn't, uh, with Philadelphia having the lead most of the season in the Eastern Conference, get them to have the number one seed. But more than anything else, I I think injuries have taken a toll 
on a lot of the players when it comes to the MVP race. We just talked about Embiid. A lot of people thought that uh, LeBron would finally get another MVP award because it's almost like a lifetime award for him. And let's face it, he's been like an MVP every season, but he's missed way, way, way too many games now. And we're going to talk about him and and the Lakers in just a moment. Um, James Harden, when he finally came over uh, from Houston to Brooklyn, I mean, he played out of his mind. And he was doing that without Kyrie Irving, who wasn't on the court, and Kevin Durant was out with injuries. And James Harden was putting up big, and I do mean big, triple doubles on a game-by-game basis. But uh, I think he's also missed too much of the season, and that's going to be held against him by a lot of the voters. So what does it get down to? I mean, we talked about Steph Curry. I mean, Steph Curry had one of these Steph Curry, even for him, incredible stretches where he was scoring like 40 points a game and putting up monster numbers and and just shooting lights out from all over the court. But he's on a team that's way, way, way back in the standings, and I think that'll be held against him. So to me, what it comes down to for the MVP race, it's a two-man race in my estimation. And I think Nikola Jokic out in Denver will ultimately win the award. First of all, he's been healthy all season. They've had to overcome their own injury to Murray on their roster. And they're still, I think, number three in the West as we speak right now. Jokic has had an incredible season. He's averaging 26 points, 11 rebounds, nine assists, almost a triple-double from the center position. I think that's going to be all be enough to get him the award this year. Russell Westbrook, though, has put himself into the equation with some incredible play. We talked about Westbrook earlier on. He is averaging right now a triple-double. Uh, yes, you do have Bradley Beal on on, on Washington, and, and Beal you know, can score 30 points a game more often than not. However, right now, Russell Westbrook is the best player on that team. If you watch what he's done over the last two to three months, uh, he's been incredible. He has been a triple-double machine. He is averaging a triple-double for the season, 22 points, 11 rebounds, 11 assists, And sometimes he has just monster, monster numbers. So I think he's put himself, even though Washington is way back in the standings, I think without Westbrook, Washington would certainly be almost at the bottom of the standings in in the Eastern Conference. So I think right now Westbrook is knocking on the door. But if I had a hazard, I guess I'd say Jokic right now is the leader in the clubhouse. Um, As far as the rookie of the year, it's going to be a two-man race. LaMelo Ball came back from his wrist injury. A lot of people thought he'd be out for the entire season, but he did come back. He isn't playing as well overall. However, he is going to lead Charlotte into a playoff situation in his rookie season. That might be and probably will be enough for him to get the award. Anthony Edwards, though, the number one draft pick in Minnesota, and God knows the Timberwolves just stunk most of the season. But they played much, much, much better basketball over the last three to four weeks. And he's been scoring pretty consistently 20 points a game. So I think he's put himself into the equation. But I think in the long run, it's still going to be LaMelo Ball. As far as coach of the year, I think it's a three-man race. If you look out west, the top two teams in the Western Conference are Utah and Phoenix. And both those coaches have done an incredible job. Quinn Snyder out in Utah, Monty Williams has really, you know, revitalized the Phoenix Suns who have already clinched a playoff spot. So those two would be um, normal seasons. I think they would be nip and tuck for for potential coach of the year candidates. However, 
Tom Thibodeau, I think, is going to win this award. Uh, the Knicks have won, as we speak here, 10 of their last 11 games. Everybody thought the Knicks would be a lottery team. And to his and that roster's credit, and, and Randall has been unbelievable for the Knicks, um, but Tom Thibodeau has, has changed it like he does everywhere he goes. I mean, he came to the Bulls. He changed the culture here. He went to Minnesota and got uh, that team into the playoffs, even though they died uh, at the end there. Um, and he had some problems uh, with, with the front office, as he did here in Chicago. But one thing about Tom Thibodeau, he gets the most out of every roster that he ever inherits. And, uh, you know, I didn't think that the Knicks would be a playoff team, but here they are playing pretty consistently good, solid basketball. So I think Tom Thibodeau is going to be the coach of the year. Um, we talked about the Lakers earlier on. It's really strange. The Lakers are not going to be uh, home court in, in the first round of the playoffs in the Western Conference. Um, but I don't think in the long run that might not mean anything. They've been keeping LeBron James back because of his injury. He's scheduled to come back in the very, very near future here before the regular season ends. Um, Anthony Davis has been back now about three or four games. He was rusty right off the bat, but in his last game, I think he had 30-plus points. If those two guys are injury-free, they're still going to be the team to beat. I mean, uh, Phoenix and Utah have had incredible seasons, and they have such confidence going into the postseason, but they haven't faced the Lakers at full strength. And when I mean full strength, I mean LeBron and Anthony Davis. So even though the Lakers will not have home court, in the very first round, they could be facing Phoenix potentially in the very first round. So it remains to be seen how it's going to play out, obviously. But with LeBron, you can never underestimate what he's going to do to help your team. All right. Now uh, for the last uh, segment here on our uh, Sharpshooters podcast, and we do this each and every week. It's our walk down memory lane segment. And I'm going to go back to a time, and I believe it was October 6th. Not only do I believe it, I had to check it to make sure. It is October 6th, 1993. And that was the day that Michael Jordan announced his first retirement, not his second, not even his third, but his first retirement from the Bulls. Um, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, the press conference, which was probably the most crowded press conference I've ever been to. It was at the United Center, and uh, it was during late morning, early afternoon, if I remember. And the, the building was full, not with fans. It was full with media from around the world. I mean, they came from they came from Asia. They came from Europe. They came from South America. They came from all over this country, obviously, because Michael Jordan was announcing his retirement, and it was a big story. The Bulls had just won their third championship, the first of three championships, first of three, uh, the first of their two trilogies, I should say. And uh, they were just, I mean, it was incredible. There were camera crews all over the place, yada, yada, yada. But really, the story actually started the night before, and Michael Jordan, the night before, was at the White Sox game. And the White Sox, much like the Bulls, are owned by Jerry Reinsdorf. He's the owner of both teams. And Michael was there to throw out the first pitch. And word sort of got out that there was going to be a press conference tomorrow, sort of caught us off guard initially, that Michael Jordan was going to announce his retirement. So he throws out the first pitch before the game. And we're running all over the place just getting word that this is going to happen tomorrow. And we're trying to corner him on the field, in the dugout, in the clubhouse. Ultimately, we couldn't get to him. They, they protected him pretty damn good. And, you know, he got out of the stadium without the media 
having a chance to talk to him that night before the press conference the next day. But it was pretty comical. So, I mean, we were up all night, you know, trying to pinpoint what was going to happen the next day. And then the next day, as I mentioned, was the press conference at the United Center. And and the media was all over the place. And I remember some of the words that Michael said at that first press conference. And actually, I went back last night and, and listened to some of the words on YouTube where he said, he lost motivation after winning his third championship, that he had reached the pinnacle of his sport, which he had, obviously, by winning three straight championships, and he had nothing left to prove. And it's, it, you know, in a way, it's sort of comical. I hate to use that word, but sort of comical, because if you fast forward a couple of years when he came back that first time, and basically he undid in his uh, coming back all the things he said in his going away press conference, which is pretty comical, but he didn't lose motivation. He did reach the pinnacle. I can't argue that. And he did have more to prove. And he came back and proved it by winning a second trilogy of championships. Anyway, that's it for right now. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. We'll be back next week with hopefully some better news on the Bulls. Better if you want them to make the playoffs or better if you don't want them to make, to make the playoffs to maybe get a high draft pick if they get so lucky in the lottery. Anyway, that's it for now. We'll talk to you again next week. Take care, everybody.